Welcome to Fright Night. She just goes a little mad sometimes. Wolfman's got an heart. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. We have such sights to show you. Hey, everybody. What's up? And welcome back to another episode with the Jersey Ghouls. And it is spooky season, which means we are going bigger, going home. And we are indeed going big tonight with what I think has become one of the most popular uh, entries in the entire Exorcist canon. Tonight, we are going to be talking about 1990s The Exorcist Part 3. That's right. And this one is a big one. And I feel like it didn't start out that way. I think this one definitely became the cult classic that it is now beloved and and recognized to be. It is. And I think I had mentioned last episode, I don't think I realized how cult classic-y it was. I remember watching this probably once back in our Hollywood video days when we did our Rent the Genre Challenge. And I, I know that I had seen it. I think I had seen it. But honestly, watching it, I couldn't have told you a single thing about it. Like, I, I I feel like I had to have seen it. But this really could have been a very first watch for me, honestly. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be totally honest and say I have I had never seen it until a couple years ago. The irony of how I stumbled on it was that I always watched those, like, 50 scariest scenes of horror. And if there's ever a movie in there that I haven't seen, I'm like, how fucking dare you? And I, like, run out and see it, right? Like, I always do that to myself, like, with all of these lists. And whatever documentary comes along, like, even, like, the Black Noir uh, films, the freaking... Uh, folklore horror films like I just go hard once I it's something I don't know and that's how I came upon this obviously the scene that is probably the most iconic scene in the film where the spooky dookie shit comes flying out at that nurse um and makes you poop your pants every time and it's it's such a beautifully uh, to give Blatty credit as a director and I don't want to give him a ton of credit but I do want to give him credit there it was a beautiful scene because it took so long to get to that jump scare and you knew it was coming but man did they do a great job of building it up and it so pays off but yeah I only saw this film for the first time a couple years ago and I was so excited to revisit it for this I gotta be honest finally doing a deep dive into the exorcist and all of the mythology made me love this film that much more this one so I I'm kind of unplanned but I have very recently read Legion by William Peter Blatty, which is the direct sequel to the Exorcist novel. Um, And rumor has it that he wrote Legion, which came out in 1983, as a result from seeing the movie Exorcist II Heretic and being like, this cannot be the sequel to that movie. Like, this cannot be the sequel to The Exorcist. I need to write a proper sequel which apparently is why he wrote Legion. Well, actually, Legion was going to be a movie first and William Friedkin was going to come back and direct the movie. Blatty was going to do the screenplay. And first, everything was great. And then there was some creative differences and Friedkin left the project. And then the production was stalled. So Blatty was like, you know what? I'm just going to write the book. The original source material is the book. I'm just going to write a book sequel and then we'll see what happens. Yeah. And and he, having read the full book now uh, that we purchased for this in- adventure, um, it, it's, it's, a, it's a, he, he was a kind of a dick about it. Like, I mean, he, he kind of shit on the exorcist too. And I think in a lot of ways it was doomed to fail from the start because of his and Friedkin's kind of poo-pooing of it. Um, but I also think he went and created something with this film that is really fucking interesting. So as much as I am annoyed by the way with which he went about it, I'm annoyed by the lack of Reagan or lack of any female relevance in this film. And I'll put a pin in that for now, but I fucking love this movie. I really do. I think it's so much more along the lines of like silence of the lambs and like, you know, fucking seven and those, like, I feel like this film walked so those could run. And, and I feel like Kinderman, it's funny. Cause I feel like you and I are going to disagree on this. Kinderman really came to life for me in this film. Kinderman became my, my little schmoopy bear and Kinderman became my hero in this film. Um, I can, because, I can agree with yeah. you. Oh, okay. Film, cool. Film version. 
Yeah, um, you were so annoyed do, as fuck by him in the mo- in the book, right? I I do want to take five seconds to to do like a quick shout out because um our friend Lizzie from uh, the YouTube channel Elizabeth Sagewood, she hosted a buddy read of Legion, and it was her, it was myself, and there were two other uh, BookTube content creators. There was Ed from Ed Lewis Reviews and Zach from Shady Side Library. Um, now, unfortunately, Zach did not have the time to end up reading the book, but Lizzie, Ed, and myself did, you know, attempt to do this buddy read. Um, now, I don't want to give away any spoilers about what anybody else thought. I will link all of their channels in the show notes so you can check out all of their videos, including videos on Legion. Um, but I will say that for myself... Um, it was a very tough read. Uh, you guys know that The Exorcist, the book, uh, number one all time with a bullet, Die Hard, Desert Island, favorite book ever. So when I was going to pick up Legion, I was very excited because here comes the sequel to my favorite book. And I almost stopped reading this book so many times. It was a very difficult read. Wow. Um, Kinderman, I thought in the original book and in the original movie, he was kind of endearing. He was a little bit of a hard ass, but there was something kind of, I don't know. There was something about him where I'm like, he's trying to do his job. He's trying to do right by the law, but he also is a father himself of a young girl and can put himself in Chris's shoes. And, and of course he doesn't know about the possession stuff. He just sees the law side of it. But like, I had no problems with Kinderman. Uh, in the book or the movie uh, now we get to legion and in the book he is just an ass he's aggressive and he is long-winded and he is senile and there is so much of the middle of the book that is just him going on and on about i don't know what like if there was some meaning to half of his rants it went over my head and I don't get it. Um, wow, you know, see, and the was... rants are some of my favorite parts of the movie. Right. But in he was he was portrayed very, I don't want to say very differently in the movie, but he had, I felt like a lot more heart in the movie. He was a much more likable character. I mean, if going back through some of our text messages from our buddy read, one of the first things we said when we were going over the first few chapters was like, we don't like Kinderman. Kinderman is unlikable. Like he is so unlikable and it made it, it made it tough. Now, like I said, I wanted to give up and I was just going to DNF the book, but I was like, I can't something within me. I couldn't do it. I can't DNF the sequel to my favorite book. So I did push through and I did read it, but it was, it was, I will not ever pick that book up again. Um, Some people might, might enjoy it. It was not an enjoyable book for me. Um, I know wish I had had time to read it only because I wonder if my my religious ideological ideological connection to this might make me right. like it but the way you describe it I'm like now nah, I'm good. <laughs> yeah like I said the fa- the my thing is because you didn't really like Kinderman in the first book and I think if you don't even like him in the first book I'm gonna he's punch just his Yeah like he is yeah, just fair. absolutely I will say that like there's a lot of conversation between Father Dyer and Kinderman because Kinderman is he's Jewish and there is a lot of dialogue about the Jewish faith versus versus the Catholicism. Yes, which is sprinkled into the film. Right. But there is so much of it in the book of like, well, what does it all mean? And how is it real? And why does God do this? And And that's what I love, though, about this this film. I I will please borrow it. And I know I'm good. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, but yeah, no, I doubt it was, I will. It was a, a really, really big letdown. Um, this is one of the, this is now only the second incident of me liking a movie better than the book. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's, that's interesting. What's the first yeah. one again? Forrest Gump. I don't, the Forrest Gump book now, and that I can blame. That's just personal preference. Cause obviously I saw the movie a whole lot more before I read the book, but the Forrest Gump in the book, he's kind of shitty. Like he calls people like shitheads and assholes and he's kind of got like a mean streak to him. <laughs> um, Cause like he's that. been like bullied so much. So he starts to give it back a little bit. And I'm like, mm, I'm sorry. No national treasure. Tom Hanks does not give it back to anybody in that movie. Forrest in the movie 
is a sweet baby angel. And yeah, he's a little bit a little bit grittier and tougher in the book. And I just didn't like that because again, I'm thinking Tom Hanks. So yeah, um, and not Watch. only do I not only do I like the mo- the movie Exorcist Three better than Legion, I like the original theatrical cut better than the director's cut. So that's interesting because I actually really think I enjoy the director's cut a little more. Yeah. Um, only because I think I like that it explains a little more about Karis. It gives you a little bit more of a definitive vision of what like the Brad Dorf slash Jason Karis, I mean, uh, Jason Miller character is supposed to be. Um, but let's dive in here. So f- unfortunately, Miller was such a bad alcoholic at the, at the point that this was filmed that they, he couldn't remember his lines, which is why they bought in another actor, which is why it was kind of weird and confusing. Um, and I, I didn't get to see all of the director's cut, but I did get to read bit by bit of everything that was in it. And I think I love that Karis's, you know, like that he was dead and he was resurrected is a really interesting thing. I really like that they kind of went a little deeper into it and were a little less unworried about the the whole, you know, exorcist thing at the end, because that was apparently forced by the studios. So there were, a, yeah. yeah, there were a lot of things in the director's cut that I feel like are a little more to the book, which is maybe why it rubs you the wrong way. Well, you know what? I, I, I think it's, it's very telling that you like the director's cut and I like the theatrical um, because again, you know, the studio took a look at the director's cut and they were like, look, this is an exorcist movie. We need to have an exorcism. Like we have to tie it into the first one. And the exorcism that they gave us in the theatrical version is, I mean, there's a guy that's plastered to the ceiling and tries to cut himself loose and his skin is just peeling. Like it is a very kind of special effects. The uh, I don't know. Like it's, it's, it's a very... It's a much more Jackie ending. And I think the director's cut, it's the much more Marissa ending, which to (laughs) me, that's the perfect, you know, you got peanut butter in my chocolate situation because we have the versions that have both of those cuts on it. So it's really just made for us, like completely. Oh, completely. (laughs) And and there's so much fun to be had, I think, in this film. And I have to give a shout out since we're giving shout out to Liz's. I'd like to give a shout out to Liz Williams from Scariest, the Scariest Things podcast. She is a dear and near friend of the podcast. And um, if you don't listen to the Scariest Things podcast, you really should. They are awesome. And I guarantee you, you will leave every episode with like a laundry list of movies you need to watch. That's my favorite yes. part of it. I have literally pulled over on the side of the road to be like, wait, I need to write these down. Although I'm still mad about Ponty Pole not be at least that I know of not being in the Canadian episode. I haven't finished it yet. But um, I'm hoping somebody busts it out at the end because it's my all-time <laughs> favorite. Um, or they might have covered it. But anyway. Um, she actually, and a lot of other people say this is their favorite movie of the franchise and it's fascinating. Well, first of all, I'm so excited to watch the new one. I can't wait to end this whole journey with that film, mostly because I get to sit on a couch and snuggle with you, but also because so many of the feminist issues and so many of the anti-patriarchal shit that I've been yelling about for the past month come up in that film in a lot of ways and a lot of ways that get it criticized and a lot of ways that affect its ratings. And I think that just speaks to the very strong hold that the patriarchy does have on the horror genre, unfortunately. Um, But I think that uh, I love this film and I stand by and I understand why people will put this right up there with the first one. And even though it's nothing like the first one in its genre and its storytelling in how it decides to treat everything about religion. I just think there's something really poetic and beautiful about this film that I didn't appreciate until this watch. So um, I'm going to dive in if that's okay. And I'm going to start with the fact that this is the exorcist movie with no women in it, or at least no women as the main characters. And while some of the sequels also kind of shy away from having a lot of female influence in them, they still have those characters. And this film is all about Kinderman and all of the other side characters. And what I think is the most interesting and the kind of aha moment I had in all this is that Kinderman represents the law. The priests represent religion. There is nothing but men who are metaphors for the patriarchy saving everybody and quote unquote exercising the demons in these films, both literally and metaphorically in this case, because I got to be honest with you. I think the Zodiac, I mean, Gemini, a wink killer. Quiet boy, you want to get sued? Um, <laughs> I think the Gemini killer is fucking terrifying to me. Yes. Like fucking t- chopping a head off a kid and replacing it with a Jesus statue? Holy shnikes. My, I clutch my pearls, Jackie. You know I do. I clutch <laughs> my pearls. Um, and this film is effectively terrifying in ways that the original isn't. But again, the one thing that gets 
gets me a little bit, it gets my feminist panties in a twist, if you will, is that this whole thing, the whole narrative plot line that Blatty continues to shove down our throats is, is that the, the male patriarchy will save you. And I don't know whether or not Blatty is, go- is team organized religion, but I know that these films feel very team heteronormative. You know, man will come and save the day, whether it's the man of the law or the man of God. And I kind of was like, to that. And I also was about the, the, the use of the hag horror, right? Like, and I even texted you to tell you how scary, how scared I was when the little old lady was crawling around the ceiling. I almost pooped my pants. I was, I wanted to cry. I wanted her to get down from there. But again, something about using an old woman and, and what's worse, an old woman who's lost her identity to like dementia, Alzheimer's, whatever medical conditions they were Mm -hmm. all suffering, which apparently makes them more likely to be possessed. Another Mm -hmm. thing I got to worry about now about getting old. (laughs) Um, I, I just hate, the constant use of an old woman as the ultimate terror, like the, the monstrous feminine again, you know, like, oh, you gotta be watch out because they're going to get you um, because aging is, is as always the real horror. Right. And so these women who literally become like pawns of, and is that Pazuzu? Is that who's hanging out inside the Gemini killer? I, I believe so i think it's like pazuzu is one of them like the whole thing is like we are legion it's it's always we you know and it's like so i think it's i don't know like i i in the book i I don't want to keep going back to the book because we are specifically focusing on the movie but like i can tell you that like in the book there's the whole idea that karis throws himself out the window he dies at the bottom of the steps in M Street. And like, just as- Allegedly. His is, yeah, yeah, allegedly. Just as his spirit and like, you know, is floating away, you know, Pazuzu and the Gemini killer kind of have this like spiritual, like, hey, you want to keep going and doing a thing? I got a body that's about to go. And it's like, after Karis gets buried or is pre- prepared to being buried, he then like is invaded into his body and he gets possessed with Pazuzu slash- It's a little convoluted. Legion, I'm not slash, gonna lie. Yeah, slash Gemini. It's it, parts of parts of the book and the movie. Like, it's like, there's like this supernatural end cap to this more crime psychological thriller that is the middle chunk of the movie. Um, and sadly, there are some characters- that do not cross over from book into the movie which kind of bums me out because there was a doctor in the book that i really like who was one of the like basically possessed killers which would explain Um, the lie. does that explain the doctor who tells the weird lie because that didn't make any sense to me so that doctor so there were two doctors in the book and one of them is like this the head of psychology which is the guy from the movie so there was another doctor in the movie, a surgeon, who his whole thing is his wife had passed away and, you know, he was really depressed and he's his hobby had become basically like doing ghost EVPs. Now, they don't call it that in the book, but like he uses all this different technology to basically find the right frequency to speak with the dead. And apparently he is able, you know, he has these conversations. So because of that, kind of like how Reagan opened herself up with the Ouija board. He opens himself up and that's when Pazuzu is able to, you know, take, you know, take hold of him. In the book, he's the one that kills the priest in the confessional. He's the one that chops his head off. That makes so much sense. Jackie, if there's one thing I've learned throughout this entire month, it's if you fuck around, you're going to find out. That's you don't play with the Ouija boards. <laughs> you don't go ahead trying to contact the dead. You'll leave it be. All right. Unless Whoopi Goldberg comes to the door. I'm not answering. I'm not, and even yeah. then I might be like, no, thank you. I'm good. Like yeah, I there's don't... still some shit with Whoopi, you know. Like right. he, there's he, some... <laughs> you know, I don't I don't need I don't need her to be a conduit. Like we don't oh. need this. And I don't know that I want to slow dance with her, even if it is the spirit of my, like I always, whenever I watch Ghost, I always think that's still Whoopi you're you're slow dancing with. That's, I can't get over it. I mean, I'd love Whoopi. I'd slow dance with Whoopi as Whoopi. Yeah, no, I want to, you know what? I want to hang out as a ghost. Right. Yeah. You know, maybe we'll share a pizza. Oh yeah, for sure. Oh my god. I don't think I want to slow dance with Whoopi. I don't think so. Turn it down. I mean, that's not something you say no to. I would dance. If we are recreating scenes from Sister Act Two, Sister Act, yeah, Sister better Act. be two, part two, please. I don't know. We could do the whole uh, Ave Maria scene from the beginning one. Uh, I can rock no, I the like- Kathy Najemi. I can be like, oh. 
No, I want to do the Lauren Hill joyful, joyful. Oh yeah, no, we can do we can do the joyful, joyful from Sister Act too. But that That's will be favorite. the whoopee dancing that I do. Perfect. I don't. She need won't the turn slogan. it down. She seems really cool like that. Oh, <laughs> but I digress. Digress. <laughs> So I, um, yeah, this, th- there are a lot of things that are a little convoluted here. And I got to be honest with you, with all due respect to Blatty, it is really confusing while you're watching this film to be like, okay, but wait, is it, Car- am I, Car- is it Karis? It's Karis. No, it's Brad Dorf. What? I don't, I don't get it. And like half the movie, I spent very confused about that. So I had to really dig in to even yeah. understand that. I, I struggled with like, so William Peter Blatty, who wrote the original movie, and the original screenplay comes in to write this book and then comes in to write the script and direct this movie. Respectfully, Bill. Respectfully. Um, respectfully. Um, I I don't want to say he's wrong because, again, he is the authority as the author. But respectfully, I dislike your choices. Like, I, I don't oh, know. Oh, fucking like, same. Me, fucking like, same, I, yeah. I didn't like bringing Karis back I understand why and how but I don't like that choice I Ooh, don't see I, like, I did I liked that you know like I get it and it makes for an interesting thing but again you know how attached to that character I am with the, with regards to the first movie and I'm like no you're like you're ruining it <laughs> oh see I didn't my, I I didn't see and i'm not to be fit to be fair i am not as emotionally invested or tethered to the original so for me it's very just like oh cool that character's back um that's fucking really interesting and one of the things that makes this effectively horrific for me is the concept that Karis has been being tortured this entire like 15 years or whatever it's terrifying to me to think that he could be literally suffering because what would be the worst case scenario for him if you are one to believe in like life and death and religion and afterlife, whatever, whatever, that he's just stuck hanging out with a bunch of fucking demons. Like what a horrible way to spend the afterlife. Like that scared the bejeebies out of me. So, and and while I didn't, I get it. I do. I really get what you're saying. And I think a lot of people feel that way. For me, it was a really cool way to build that terror for me and like that, oh my yeah. godness of it all. I And you know what, honestly, again, like I- I really thought I had seen this movie, but when I was reading the book and I got to the part where like Kinderman walks into that cell and sees who is sitting in there and it's like, you know, Kinderman's like, no, that's not possible. That is not Damien Karras. Like I put the book down. I, I had a moment. I was like, what? Like I, right, I, it's effective, right? It really was. And so knowing it, watching the movie it didn't get me as much but even still seeing and again this is 19 this is 1990 jason miller who yes is he's you know battling with alcoholism he is dying he is sick like things aren't going well for jason miller in real life um as, as you point out that like you know due to several factors they actually have a double come in and do some of the scenes but it really i do think it's an interesting plot choice but again like to me it just kind of it kind of sullies what happens at the end of the original exorcist for me to i like i don't know like i don't want to say like to desecrate the character but that's kind of exactly the point we're desecrating all the good and the sacrifice of karis to have his basically like undead body become reanimated and possessed like Pazuzu is pissed because Karis won. Karis saved the day. And the ultimate desecration is, well, now I'm going to steal your body and I'm going to fuck some shit up. So I don't know. I get it. I understand that plot point. But again, I'm just like, no. <laughs> no. Yeah. And I like, the- I cry so much at the end of Exorcist. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I kind of also have the hot take that I think Brad Dorif did a better job delivering what I consider to be some of the best lines in the film. I don't know that Jason Miller would have pulled them off as well as he did when he says some of these lines and I, I am chilled to my core. Like when he does the Titus Andronicus, the Shakespeare nerd to me is like me, like there's so many great lines that are so effectively done. And as much as I think it's silly to kind of tether back and forth between the two, it, he does a great job at it. Like he's the oh, better he's, actor. He's the better choice. He's so scary. He's so scary. Oh my I mean, God. So true. Dorf, 
just you know and, and no offense to to jason miller respectfully um respectfully. No, brad brad dorf is is the better actor i mean and in, in everything he's in i mean we're going you know for me i run the gamut of you know him playing charles lee ray in the original child's yeah. play all the way to being worm tongue in in the lord of the rings like he is he's one Amazing. of those actors yeah that like every time he's in the scene you're focusing on him like he is so so good in this and he's so scary and he's just he's just one of those guys that has the talent for playing the bad guy like he plays the bad guy for sure he is so scary so scary and i think getting back to like like the relationship between kinderman and the gemini killer and more specifically what kinderman's arc is in this in this movie holy crap does this guy go through it i mean It starts, one of the things I liked about it is that it kind of starts with a very kind of real look at people who have been traumatized by going through some shiz. And they are all very much like banding together as a team. Like they, I love that him and Father Dyer are friends and they're friends because of what they've been through, this shared trauma and that they've kind of kept each other going through it. And I love that they go see It's a Wonderful Life. Don't fuck with It's a Wonderful Life, man. Like that is not supposed to be a film that's supposed to be anything but all the feel goods. Knock it off, William Peter Blatty. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I love, I read, the, I have an article that I reference here and it's a medium article by Manor Vellum and it's called Faith, Doubt and Existential Horror in Exorcist 3. And a quote that really stuck out to me was that it says, Kinderman's a man brutalized by his lack of faith and his anger towards the possibility that God exists. And he doesn't intervene to save a man who devoted his entire life to faith. The whole, the whole thing about his journey is so poignant to me because it's a man who, and like you said, he's, he's Jewish, but he's kind of like lost his faith. He watches his very good friend die a horrific death, but in the hospital, he watches all of these horrific things happen. And, you know, he's in policing. Of course, he's going to watch horrific things over and over again. But like, man, how hard is it to keep your faith in the world being as fucked up as it is? And what a poignant, like, especially just on both a macro and a micro level in this moment in our lives, how poignant to have to struggle with the idea of good when there's so much fucking bad eating our lives up all day long. And I'm going to give a quick shout out here to uh, the the guru of uh, Geekscape over there, uh, Matt Kelly. He he really had, we had a great little touching conversation about the last episode. And he, to me, he's got the faith thing down so much harder than I ever will. And like, I just, I'm almost envious of, of what a good Christian he can be, but I just... I'm so relieved and it helped me sleep so much more soundly to know that there are other people out there who wrangle with this a lot and how I think a challenge of faith is that you have to be able to find good. And sometimes I'm like, maybe that's what faith really is. Maybe it's being able to find good in spite of all the evidence to the contrary. And this is where I'm going to get a little sappy here because the quote that Kinderman said that literally tore my heart out and actually made me cry. I'm going to own it. I cried was when he said, this is this I believe in. I believe in death. I believe in disease. I believe in injustice and inhumanity, torture and anger and hate. I believe in murder and I believe in pain and cruelty and infidelity. And then he goes on to say, every possible ugliness and corruption, I believe in you, son of a bitch. I believe in you. And in that moment, you're like, oh no, he believes in evil. But then he's able to rustle up a belief in good, right? That's what we have to. And this is the very Marissa, it's a wonderful life, Frank Capra ending and interpretation is that the reason why they're able to defeat him, the reason why he's able to shoot him. P.S. is it shouldn't be so easy. You just shoot the get the person possessed and you're done. You're good. <laughs> but I guess. Yeah. Just but, I'll put a bit, and- but okay. Um, but like he does have faith, right? Like ultimately that's what we have to believe saves the day. I don't know. I, what do you think? I don't know. That's and and that's more in line with. Um, so the book has a, a, a much. There's no exorcism at the end of the book. Um, and the book kind of does resolve in that manner of Kinderman realizing that you know you basically you can't have good without evil, kind of thing. You have to have to have one is to have the other, and acknowledging the existence of evil and rising above and basically people you know finding that good I mean kind of everything that you were saying about like having faith is just knowing that 
there are people that are good. There are people that will do good. There are people no, that and you, can help. You like, don't that's, see the good, right? Like that's yeah, the like trick. That, and so that's much more in line with how the book ends. Like I said, obviously the director's cut and the theatrical version of the movie are different as well. But yeah, like there's it, the, the, the ending of the book is, I remember that like when I read the ending of the book, it was kind of just like, they're talking, they're talking, they're talking. Hinderman finds some sort of resolve and a little bit of a aha moment and fade to black the end. And I was like, that's, that's it. Like that's, you know, Kinderman finds a certain level of peace within something. And, you know, the, the, the character, the Gemini killer had like a, had a brother and the brother had died of fright due to negligence at the hospital. Like there was this whole backstory about ah! the Gemini's killer family and like the Gemini's killer father, his father was extremely abusive to he and his brother and the Gemini killer like used to look after his brother and stay at the hospital with him night and day. And it, it's this whole thing in the beginning. I, again, I, I really do think you should take some time to read the book because they really explain the Gemini killer so much more Ooh. and his backstory and his motivations so much more obviously does the whole the k thing make sense then because i was like wait a minute and i'm like doing the math and i'm like but he didn't just kill people with k he went over he went after julie or whatever right like this none of this makes well sense. kinderman shit didn't make sense oh julie kinderman i get it there you go that i get it that is a that's probably one of like i kinderman his character had a lot of good one-liners in this movie but <laughs> yeah, the, did. the scene when the old lady from the hospital, like when she's in Kinderman's house and she goes after his daughter, that was really funny. And I don't think it was supposed to be, maybe not, but oh, it just see, I didn't very, think it was funny. The, the I thought it was so kind of funny the way neck. she was like, man. <laughs> Well, now that you did that, I'm always going to laugh at it. <laughs> Please do. Um, yeah, that was like the one part that I'm like, I don't think that was supposed to be funny. But I mean, it maybe in 1990, it wasn't funny. But I don't know. That one kind of seemed somewhat comical to me, the way that she like just kind of like reached out and tried to grab her and stab oh, her or whatever. There's definitely flaws in this movie. I think it's a cult classic for a reason. I don't think anybody, like I love that people when this came out were like, oh, this is an Oscar contender. Um, Respectfully. <laughs> respectfully (laughs) i disagree but um no i i think that that's you're right there's a lot of goofy shit that happens there's a lot of tonal inconsistencies where i'm like wait am i supposed to be okay are we okay kinderman we're not okay and like i guess maybe it's just you know maybe there's something to be said about the poeticness of that but i just felt like it was like i just bladdy not really know what the fuck he was doing in a lot of different ways there there were a lot of there were a lot of creepy moments the whole the to go back to that uh to the jump scare scene um what i loved about that scene is there's like the obvious build up to the jump scare and you think the jump scare is going to be when the nurse stumbles upon the other orderly and he like jumps up and like you know you're like oh okay that's the jump scare that's what this music tension building you know scene has been all about Um, But then when we get to the actual jump scare, like, and and again, I'm not a film person. So if I'm misusing any of the terminology, but I, I love If she's misusing any, just move on. (laughs) I just, I love (laughs) the All right, you're going to write it and correct us. Go ahead. (laughs) I loved the shot composition, how we were at a distance from this happening. And, you know, you see her go in and not only is it that crescendo of music, but it's that quick zoom in at the same time that the characters were moving to the right of the screen you know the way that the whole shot was composed everything about that like that moment yeah it was brilliant I think it's really well and you're right the shot composition is a lot of what makes it and the timing and the pacing of it he takes his fucking time with it I could watch that scene over and over again and be very happy like it no was just, that would trigger my anxiety jackie i can't do it would, and, and i love that like you can't see like you see the big surgical or like the big scissors or whatever they, the that's what they used scissors. to cut like a rope at a rope ceremony those are those aren't real <laughs> those are the sappers was never in danger yeah. <laughs> but like and i love that the person is like completely shrouded so you can't even get really a sense of a form you just see the arms coming and it's and the, and how fast they're walking toward her and you know she's walking away she doesn't even yes, see it's that it's terrifying. happening there's so much terrifying. like if nothing else if you've not seen it it watch it for that scene alone suck it up and stick it out but do it for that scene 
because I I I kept rewinding it and rewatching it because I kept getting butterflies in my stomach because it was so effective. It is. It's an incredibly well done scene, and I think the just the way the pacing and like you said, the shot composition, the score, everything. It's it's a great scene. Um, and I think, like I said, to his credit, a lot of the writing and the dialogue is really well done. I think this is overall a well put together film. I do think though that the other part that I thought was super duper effective was and it was cheesy for what it was because it's it was 1990 but again and this is totally my being raised in a latino italian catholic house where the 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 statues were so sacred like i have a, a mary in my closet and she'll never not be there because that's just the thing and no matter what my faith no matter you know like i it's just part of who i am but because those are so sacred to us almost to the level of any other thing but so when the scene when the statue opened his eyes i was like Ew! like it, and it was almost comical like i want to put googly eyes on it and like pause it but it was <laughs> that'd be really funny actually i'm sure somebody has done that but at the end of the day like the the desecration of a statue and the scene where the little kid's head is half the, like that or like the scene where the kid's head is stitched like shit and, and again, like just the constant tragic evil shit that Kinderman has experienced and witnessed just like just literally grinds me down to the point where I, when we get to the end of this film, I feel as worn out as Kinderman does. Like I remember like when I was done watching, I was like, I'm just, I'm just so tired and so sad. And like, <laughs> oh, I had just want some good. Like I, I should have watched like you know, I'm trying to think of like, I should have watched It's a Wonderful Life. That would have cleansed yeah. my palate because, you know, really <laughs> it's such a brilliant film to juxtapose because it, it just caused like the the niceness and the the greatness of the, the simplicity of the religious good in It's a Wonderful Life is such a mwah, chef's kiss in juxtaposition to this. And so as much as I was annoyed that it was used, it was a really beautiful, perfect film to choose because man, if we could only all live Capra's version of God and faith and humanity, right? I just wish the world was such that the George Baileys always win and the Mr. Potters always lose. And that's not real life. And that's why faith is so fucking hard because Clarence the Angel doesn't come talk to you. And that's what makes life hard. Meh, what are you going to do? Who knew this so- movie was going to be this deep for me though? Like I, know, I, I honestly didn't I know. see it coming. To bring it back to not deep, um, did you read that one of the potential versions, like the plot of this movie, was going to be that Reagan McNeil comes back and gives birth to twins, and the twins were possessed by Pazuzu? <laughs> Half is Pa and the other is Zuzu. <laughs> it would have been very awful. Pa, Zuzu. And Zuzu. Yeah. These are my twins, Pa and Zuzu. Pa and um, Zuzu. If I ever yeah, get like- two of it, like any animal, I'm naming the Pa and Zuzu. <laughs> um, no, I would never invite that evil into my life, Jackie. Don't yeah, be silly. No, don't. Do um, that. But yeah, no, that, that was is one so of the fucking stupid. <laughs> yeah, that was one of the potential that, plot lines. Oh my god, I would have really got off the feminist cliff if that's what happens to Reagan. <laughs> Jesus Christ, if she just becomes a mob of possessed twins, possessed twins, <laughs> fucking, and then a, a fucking man has to come and save her yet again. Fucking Kinderman's like, it's cool, I got this, and just shoots them because apparently that's how you get rid of. Uh, I do want to point out that I thought the casting of George C. Scott as Kinderman in this movie was so good. I mean, obviously, the original actor, something Cobb, I think. So he passes away in 1976. So obviously. um, So yeah, casting George C. Scott, he was so good as Kinderman. He was such a good choice. And he comes in with like, a lot of the aggression of Kinderman in the book, but somehow seeing it on the screen, somehow seeing him do it, I don't know, like when he goes off the rails about that scene where he's asking about something being in the file and the woman's like, it's not in the file. And he starts screaming, it's on the file. It's on the file. He has a There's- few man, like man tantrums that I'm not yeah. here for. <laughs> I'm like, simmer the fuck down. <laughs> What the fuck is wrong with you, Kinderman? Like, calm your fucking, as you would say, Jackie, calm your damn tatas because. Calm your tits. Right, yeah. Like, what? Why does he think he can talk to women like that? What's wrong with him? And then well, I am him, so I'm like, knock it off. And like, and obviously, like, it's 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 very apparent that like he's he's been doing this for a while. You know, he's it's one of those situations where like you know this is his last case. 
and he's retiring tomorrow kind of thing, which, I mean, it's not really, but it, it seems like, you know, he's obviously been a detective for many years. If the first movie is taking place in the early 70s, and this movie is supposed to be taking place, you know, 12 years after the events of the movie, I mean, that still puts it in the 80s, right? Sure. Yeah. So, Late 80s. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like clearly Kinderman has been doing, I mean, what? Like, I think the normal lifespan of a, what is it, like 20, 25 years for law enforcement, like that's the general from like start to retirement is like 20 some odd years, I think. Yeah. I think he's put um, in extra time. I think it's fair to say. It's, well, it seems like it. Yeah. It <laughs> seems like he's kind of sticking it out and it's all he knows how to do. And, I don't know. Well, he's, he's like just, such a tropey detective, right? Like he's like he's a, a hard grumpy, boiled, curmudgeon old man yeah, and who yells at nurses for no fucking good reason. I know. <laughs> fucking calm down, Kinderman. Can we? Can I ask you a question? And maybe I mean, listen, I'm not. We all know I'm not the brains of the operation, but I have something that has been to- like flapping around in my brain that I cannot reconcile with. What the fuck was Kinderman talking about with the goddamn carp in the bathtub? Can someone out there please write me in, right? He says that the wife's mom visits, and I get it. Your mother-in-law's in town. You're having a shit day to begin with. Ginger, I love you. Please don't listen to this and take that personally. I'm just saying <laughs> metaphorically. metaphorically. Um, allegedly, respectfully. <laughs> if she listens to this episode, I'm so screwed. Um, but anywho. She, mother-in-law's in town she's got a carp she buys it it sits in the bathtub which is weird and then she she gets he gets very angry and then the, the thing's in his bathtub and he tells this story to pazuzu slash lesion slash karis slash dora slash miss jackson if you're nasty so what the fuck does that mean so here's the thing because i'm not very smart i, I don't you. know if it was a metaphor or literal because again going by the book his mother-in-law's in town they're gonna have a big that's dinner. why he's working <laughs> yeah they're gonna have a big dinner and the mother-in-law wants to cook carp so she buys a fresh carp but it's not going to be cooked for a couple days so she wants to keep it fresh so she that's keeps it alive extra, that's some shit a mother-in-law pulls it, too. It alive in the bathtub and so kinderman can't get a bath because there's a carp in the bathtub that the mother-in-law is keeping alive until she serves it for dinner on Saturday. I don't know taking a bath either. I don't know if that's supposed to be a metaphor or literal, but those were the words that and were- And then he's the like, sniff me. I'm like, what? Yeah, he, he, no. yeah, he does that in the book too. He talks about how he hasn't taken a bath. He can't relax and unwind because there's the carp in the bathtub. None of that makes any sense to me. Yeah. I, I don't I said, get it. I don't know if it was supposed to be a metaphor. Just shitty writing. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Liz, if you're listening, what the hell's the carp about? Please let me know. Message me. Okay. I need I need some clarification. Um, is, is it, that is really it, is it society? Is it the puppy? Is the carp be <laughs> yeah, puppy? Like, society. Society. I don't know. I, I would I after he said that whole speech, I really wanted to be like, I award now, you. I'll tell place. you, there's so they're like the senile rants of a crazy old man is like. 75% of the book. It's which is why I can't why read it. It is it is literally like 50 page chapters and like every page there's no paragraph break. Like it is just a solid chunk of Kinderman talking about, you know, birds flying in the air and religion and fish and nonsensical stuff yeah if i want to hear a crazy old guy yell at the clouds i'm gonna go visit my dad you know what i mean like i don't need (laughs) that book truly like i would read it and i'm trying not to skim over it but like i'm reading the same sentence over and over again because i'm like is this supposed to be symbolic like this book either had just a shit ton of filler and blatty being a very flowery writer or i'm the dumbest person in the world because i don't get any of what you're trying to symbolize or i don't know what like the book was the book was a tough read for a lot of reasons and that was kinderman was was the biggest problem that not only was was bladdy's writing that was the problem but yeah like these like flowery and seriously like there were just i would like kind of skim ahead to look at the chapters and i'm like great it's another kinderman chapter and part of me thought 
like look this is also a murder mystery so like let's kind of put aside the kinderman stuff and at least i'm excited about the murder mystery but anytime you got to a chapter where it was a kinderman pov you just rolled your eyes and you're like well we're in for another 30 pages of rambling let's do this but i'm just like can we get to a satisfactory ending of what's happening and you kind of do but kind of like i said unfortunately it is not a book that i will ever pick up again i'm glad i read it i can check off that you know yes i've read the sequel to the exorcist um and as far as the movie goes i really did enjoy it i probably would watch it again but we had mentioned before a lot of people have this at the top of their list as they like this movie better than the original movie and again to each their own for me honestly outside of the original movie if i never watched another sequel or prequel or anything i'm still living the high life you know like i really don't need anything outside of the original movie that that is a movie to me that never required a sequel um so i'm good with that just being a standalone movie i don't know that i would like like i said i enjoyed this uh exorcist 3 i thought it was good it had some really creepy moments and of course that that jump scare scene is is phenomenal but like to me it's not enough to always want to be like hmm what do i want to watch today the exorcist 3 like that's maybe like if i'm hanging out and somebody really wants to watch it i'll watch it but i don't know that this is one that i would grab um clearly of all the movies we have watched thus far it sits happily at the number two slot only because all of the other movies have been just okay you know so i kind of by default for me exorcist 3 goes in the number two spot but again i can just have the original and be happy with nothing else does this does i'm assuming this ranks does this rank above exorcist the original for you um i don't know i don't think so and I hesitate only because now that I'm, you know, uh, Pazuzu deep in the mythology of it all, I got to like mm-hmm. digest it a little bit, yeah. but no, I think the first one is still the film that I would choose pound for pound. This is a close second only because this one really is effective for me, but now that we're heading, we're like sliding into home base here and I'm really excited to watch the new one because yeah. I think the new one goes out of its way to correct some of the cringy shit that people like me take issue with, like the idea of the anti-feminism of it all, the idea of, you know, kind of challenging the monstrous feminine as the way that possession movies always take hold of us, right? I'm looking forward to a modern twist on it. I'm looking forward to what I'm hoping is going to be a really good addition to the mythology. And I'm hoping more than anything for a movie that like Exorcist 3 and like the first one and like this, the prequel really kind of make me grapple with my own spirituality and make me face the things that make faith so hard because it is it is a challenge and it's something that I grapple with it's something that you know I feel like a lot of times I I black and white the world and I kind of want to phrase things in terms of good and evil and I think it gets me into a lot of trouble in a lot of ways and I think it's a very naive and stupid way to be but it's one of the ways that the world has always made sense to me so I'm looking forward to seeing that play out in a 2023 lens so fingers crossed that we're not disappointed um, if you haven't seen the new one yet, that's definitely where we're heading. I word on the street is it's getting released on uh, video on demand on the 24th. So we're going to put out a chunk of money, snuggle on the couch and get real with that one to, to finish this puppy out. Yeah, I'm very excited. Um, I'm not one that tends to listen to critics. Like if I want to watch a movie, I'll watch it. If I don't want to watch a movie, I won't watch it. Um, but this is one that oh, we I'm know excited. Jackie we know <laughs> this is well this is one I'm excited to watch regardless um I'm I'm mostly just because I'm curious of how everything's gonna tie in I mean obviously we're bringing Ellen Burstyn back in we're bringing Chris I'm McNeil excited. back into it so I'm curious to see what the plot and the storyline is going to be to bring Chris McNeil back into it I mean obviously in the trailer you see her walk in like oh well I know a why thing or two I wonder about why Linda Blair's, Blair's not in the new one I don't know. I wonder if they approached her. I'm curious yeah, if I it wonder. was even a, I mean, Me you, you figure like they, they had, well, you know what? I can't say they had to have approached yeah, her. Who knows? Didn't, didn't Nev Campbell get boned out of part six? Like they didn't even approach her about part six. So it's like, you never know. No, you they did. Know. They just didn't. She wanted more money than they would give Oh, her. okay. Um, and rightfully so. You, you're the face of the fucking franchise. Yeah, fuck that. Give her the money. <laughs> um, fair enough. Um, yeah, but no, so I'm excited to see Exorcist Believer 
um mostly just because like curiosity like how are you how are you bringing her in what's gonna happen i like that they're i, I don't pazuzu know I, I'm, better I'm just, i tell you what person curious, better be yeah. back is pazuzu <laughs> Uh, yeah, if I don't see, uh, uh, you know, the headline, if I don't see the headliner, as that's Pazuzu, right. If Pazuzu's out there, I'm walking out of my Pazuzu, own living room. Starring in. Starring Pazuzu. Yeah, I need his name above the title of the movie. Um, yeah, agreed. Nothing else, you know. And, so, uh. Yeah, no, we're very excited. And yeah, that's going to be. That's so yeah, that's, we've got the, the one more episode to wrap up our spooky dookie October. Our, mm-hmm. our dive into this franchise has been so much fun so far. And I'm just, I'm so excited for this movie just because it's fun to see a, it's fun to see a, a new, I don't know. Like I, I, I have, I've gotten a little bit soft in my old age where you know, I'm not a big fan of reboots still. That's still my MO. But like at the same time, I'm a big fan of the genre that I love being like mainstream. Like I love that like horror I feel is a little bit less of like the taboo genre. You know, it's like it's not. I mean, it definitely. I miss the days when it was, if I'm being honest. Really? See, no, yeah. I, don't, I don't mind. I don't I don't mind that it's it's becoming more. I don't think it's becoming more mainstream. Maybe that's oh, it definitely phrase, is. But, I think it is. But I don't know. I just I I I'm I'm a big fan of of seeing a lot of spooky movies at the theaters, you know, and not so much direct to video yeah, or direct to streaming. Like, yeah, let me give There's me an opportunity to see too. the the spooky dookie on the giant screen with the way too loud speakers, but the really comfy chairs now. Yeah, fair. Um, I also wanted to just a quick side note. Uh, to to the fans who have been writing in recently, thank you guys. I apologize for my keyboard clacking. Um, somebody <laughs> actually mentioned it. No, I was really thankful for the note because, you know, obviously the integrity of our audio is big to me, but I don't think I realized I will, you know, to peek behind the curtain, I will admit that sometimes during the episode, if you're talking and I come up with something I really want to say, or if like something, I write it down and I realized I had been typing it into my notes. Cause you know me, I'm a dork. I have like, you know, my, it looks like a 12 page APA paper for, for my grad school project when I do notes for an episode. But so I'm going to try to be better y'all. I'm so sorry. I'm going to write, I've been handwriting my notes tonight. So I'm hoping that'll make it like, you won't hear the, <laughs> I'm trying to also mute my, my loud mouth when um you're talking Jackie. So that a, the background noise of my house, that's like a, grand central station and be just for background noise but yeah no we i appreciate all that kind of stuff you guys i always want to be the best i can be um and i'm i'm happy we also got another like yay you guys rock and that makes me happy too so thank you keep up all the the mail it really does like it drives me to be better and to do the best i can so thank you all for for your critiques and thank you to everybody who's reached out who knows us about these episodes because i love hearing from people who i know are like yeah that was that was cool or you know fuck you marissa or whatever the case may be i love it all so please 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 um, it's it's been fun and we are glad that you guys are enjoying it as much as we are because that's that's kind of the whole point you know if, if we're not all having fun then then why are we why are we doing this but we we've been having fun and you guys have had a great response to especially this month's episodes so thank you for that um and continue to check us out on social media and your favorite podcasting app just by searching jersey ghouls um you're gonna find us there so keep doing what you're doing and thumbs up and like and share and make the algorithm happy so pazuzu does not come doesn't in get us with stuff. yeah you know, like we we want to we want to be on the good side of things of the um, algorithm pazuzu, and, and right. not the pazuzu side of the <laughs> i don't want to be on pazuzu side and on that very spooky dookie note uh keep 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 uh, keep it up during our favorite time of year and uh, bye-bye uh, bye-bye You're listening to the Geekscape Network.